0: and welcome to The Coach Approach. What is The Coach Approach, Gabs? Mm, Good question, Amelia. (laughs) The Coach Approach is, um, Amelia and I are going to do these episodes in between our guest episodes every other week. And we are using them as an opportunity to talk about something that is coming up for us in our coaching practices, a theme we've seen emerging uh, with guests or a chance to answer some questions that you guys have got about pivoting in your life. So
1: today we have with us Sarah Smeaton, who you may remember
0: from one of our
1: first coach approaches, when we were talking about her to-be lists. Uh, Sarah is a professional certified coach and facilitator, and she's got a group program called Ignite Midlife, and it helps midlife women chart their own course. And she's been a phenomenal friend of mine since we certified as coaches together all those years ago.
0: Welcome to the podcast Sarah. Great to be back. Welcome back, returning coach approach (laughs) alumni. So today there's there's a lot of talk at the moment about the great resignation where um, specifically in the US and the UK people are resigning from their jobs um, post-pandemic, post this big shake-up of the world. But you had a slightly different uh, take on it that we're going to explore today, which is the resignation from all the shoulds in our lives, other than
1: work. What, what we're uh, d- what we're resigned to at the moment,
2: and what we'd like to resign from. Exactly. So basically, the, this idea, this thing that's happening, this great resignation, which is mainly happening in the US and the UK. I believe, mm. it's coming in Canada, I think, but it's not quite hit us, mm-hmm. has been people quitting their jobs. And mainly, I think, in the retail and hospitality and food industries, from what I'm understanding. And it made me think about what it means to resign and where else I see resignations or, or uh, where else I see this kind of reevaluation. And so like the the components that I'm seeing in it are people questioning the way it's always been the shoulds, what, you know, what they're expected to do and be and how, you know, where they're expected to be. Cause I think a lot of people are saying, Oh, okay. More is possible than I imagined before this pandemic. And I'm not going back to how it should be. And that they're connecting with this new possibility. And that helps them create a boundary and a non-negotiable that they are then communicating. And in this way, it's a form of a resignation, but it doesn't always have to be a resignation. But whatever it is, when you start taking care of yourself in this new way, that equals power. That's where Because now the power is in the hands of all these employees, right? Like people now, they have negotiating power with companies and with employers. So it's like, how does... How have we started questioning the status quo, the shoulds, the expectations in all areas of our lives? And, you know, I really don't need to focus this on work at all because the majority of my clients are not in those industries and have not resigned, but they are resigning from other things. They're resigning from toxic ways of being. They're resigning from, um, you know, things that they have assumed that they would always do or be, and now they're not. So I, I don't know. I just thought there was something really interesting in this.
0: That is really interesting because it's like everyone's talking about the great resignation of work, but actually what's the impact in other areas of life that people are now saying,
2: I don't want to X, Y, and Z. What are those X, Y, and Zs? I think there's a, like, there's a number of things. But I think a lot of it is how we are in our families, the roles that we've taken on, you know, I, because I work with mainly midlife women, I'm, I'm dealing with a demographic that has um, to generalize, really put themselves last on the list for decades and have been doing all this caretaking. And I think many people are resigning from that role, that they've outgrown it anyway, because They've got older children, or they, you know, they don't really need to be doing what they were doing. So there's been a huge reevaluation of expectations that come, I think, some somewhat from inside ourselves, but that were never really ours to begin with. That were put upon us by society or by our the people who've raised us or our culture and then also what others expect of us because we've done that for so long so I think that's one of the big places that I've seen is in family systems and also in um, how we treat our our relationships with ourselves you know those are two big places where I'm seeing a resignation from old ways.
0: One of the angles I wanted to ask you about Sarah you work with midlife which Mm -hmm. feels like something happens in these people's lives and then they're like shit this is the middle of my life is this what I want and I'm going to start making changes and this pandemic, similar right that like
2: catalyst. Totally yes I think you know the the old definition of a middle life crisis is kind of what everyone has been through the last two years yeah. <laughs> it's been a That's huge like shaking whatever up whatever age <laughs> yeah whatever yeah. age because it's been a huge shaking up of who am I what brings me joy what am I living for what am I how do I want to spend my time and I think the how do I want to spend my time is the key because mm. yeah that midlife awakening is really the awareness that time is not infinite that we you know are drawing closer perhaps to the second half of our lives or or maybe well into it and the pandemic I think had that similar feeling like wow this is all really uncertain and unpredictable and I don't know how long I'll be here so both of those experiences I think accelerate that question of so what's next for me what do I really want to be doing what would be meaningful
1: I always remember the question that would have everyone like immediately go bah! in or in, in we all trained at the set we all trained at CTI didn't we but every time anyone would just like mic drop this question what are you tolerating right now yeah it was like oh boom fuck what am I tolerating right now and I feel like that's so relevant to this conversation because we resign from what we don't want to tolerate anymore whether that's work or a a relationship or a way of being it's like
2: yeah we tolerate a lot of shit actually well and I, I think part of the trick of that is we don't even know we're tolerating it yeah So like pre-pandemic, we didn't even know we were living Mm. in that tolerating space. And then it shifts and it's like, oh, okay, hold on. So I don't actually maybe have to do all these things. And what impact does that have on me? And maybe I was tolerating more discomfort or, you know, in some cases, toxic you know, or even abuse, like, you know, in the worst cases. Mm. Um, I don't have to do that anymore. And, and how free that feels. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think it's a very unique situation where you almost, everything that was a given is taken away. And then you rebuild. So you decide what you're rebuilding and what you're bringing in. And, you know, for me personally, I think, I never want to have to commute into central London every day. I don't want to go and work in a workspace. I Like all these things that I think I used to, I don't want to get up each day at 6am. I just don't want to. I don't know why I did that.
2: <laughs> it was <Yes>. stupid. <laughs> well, and, per, and permission to let that change. Like, you know, I think... There was a rigidity that was there for a lot of people before that has changed because we've had to be so flexible and go with the flow. And it's like, okay, so maybe I don't have to be quite so stringent on myself all the time. And I've seen a self kindness come in uh, in myself like, okay, you're living through a pandemic. Like, what's the best that we can do here? What do we need? Versus this kind of drive to, you know, be productive or drive to improve myself or, you know, really trying to get myself to stay in a certain way that in the end, I think wasn't very healthy. So that's one of the things I've resigned from, is like Mm -hmm. a really rigid, rigid following of rules that I created for myself that were super arbitrary.
0: I notice in myself Before the pandemic, I was someone who always felt I need to see this person to be a good friend. I need to maintain these friendships. I need to, you know, I haven't seen them for three weeks. What does this mean? Um, And obviously that all got flipped on its head. And now I notice it coming back in already. Mm. This idea that, oh, I could see people more. And I'm not. And then you need to own the decision. You can't kind of like um say oh it's covid
2: right that's it. right yes that's so true
0: and how do we stay how do we hold on to it how do we hold on to the things we want to change
2: how do we hold on to the things we want to change well i think i think part of it is if we go back to that framework that you know we talked about at the beginning like questioning the way it's always been, connecting with what's possible, creating the boundaries and the non-negotiables, and then communicating those. I think that's how we do it. It's like, just keep coming back to what is possible, what do I need, and how will I communicate that to other people? So, you know, it's like, I've had people who want to Zoom with me on the weekend, and I just can't, I cannot open my Zoom on the weekend. I just can't do it and the shoulds are loud in my head but I just say for my own self-care this is not something that I'm willing to do right now and you know maybe that changes but just that honesty with yourself and being able to say it to other people instead of being dragged back down by those should monsters because they are magnetic aren't they yeah and it's not easy is it
1: what are the challenges that you face by becoming boundaried
2: well listen, I mean there's Less nothing resigned, harder. There's nothing harder than resigning something because you know, to actually resign, you have to clearly communicate the boundary. The boundary is I will no longer be coming into this job. <laughs> You'll have <laughs> and you know, and there's nothing really harder than that because it's so black and white. There's no wiggle room. There's no um I probably maybe wouldn't wanna uh, <laughs> Just about Christmas Why? time, yeah, I just, yeah, you know, and that would have been my old way of like dropping hints until somebody was like, "Would you like to resign?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, yeah. um, and so I think that takes a real um, courageousness to be able to to resign from anything, whether it's a job or a role or a way of being or a relationship. I think I think it's courageous and you know I think the resignation in itself is a no Mm. right it's a Mm. no I won't be doing this anymore and the no is a boundary and so yeah but also
1: as you say that yes it is a no but it's also a huge yes yes to the thing that's beyond that is like this is what I'm creating and actually as I reflect we've got a friend who's going through like some will will I won't I Will I leave? When I leave? Kind of thing, but what's so? What I'm noticing in him is that he's desperate, desperate, desperate to leave, but no direction post that, and that's scary because that's an abyss. Stepping into mm-hmm. that, that's resigning from something and having no sure footing, mm-hmm. and you know who can do that? No, no one I know can't afford to not know where their next mortgage is coming from, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So. So you do have to shore up what's on the other side of that boundary. It's, we're not yeah. encouraging people to resign things and like,
2: jump, right. the universe will catch you. It's like, no. It's part of a bigger process, I think. Mm. Um, I have a, a group program that I run for midlife women and, and we do look at the shoulds. And we do look at, you know, where some of these expectations are coming from and all that stuff, but we don't do it first. The first thing we look at is what's important to you. Mm. Because you can't just become aware of the shoulds without knowing, as you say, so what would I like to replace that with? Like what you need to have the balance, I think, of this is what's important. This is what's taking my focus now. And so I can't, focus on that thing anymore versus Mm -hmm. i don't want to focus on this thing anymore and i don't know what else i want to focus on yeah i think that's what you're saying yeah because your
1: defaults come back immediately
2: yeah your defaults come back immediately and it's terrifying as you as you rightly said Mm -hmm. it's uh, it does feel like a, a leap into nothingness and if you're only dealing with the shoulds and the expectations and your resistance to that and you're not cultivating what you do want then I don't think that's a very fruitful place to move from
1: agreed it's like this moving away from rather than moving towards
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's that burning platform yeah kind of moment isn't it Like yeah. just run run screaming from the building yeah. Yeah. but actually where outside you know right. loads of metaphors right. frying pan fire all of these things you you ha- it's a game of two halves isn't it the resignation you have to yeah. do the work of what's on the other side
2: yes yeah or at least if you don't know what then who as in who am i being
0: on will the other I side be on yeah. the other side of
2: this right yeah a person who's self-compassionate enough to let myself sleep past 6am, the person who doesn't spend time in traffic every morning. Like, you know, it's like those things. And then what will I do? So what will I be giving myself by letting myself have that time? And how do I want to fill it? I think those are, are interesting questions that the pandemic has raised for a lot of people.
0: I wonder if there's some questions we could give to people listening that they might ask themselves at the moment to see if there are things they might want to resign
2: from. Mm. Well, of course, Amelia's question from earlier, what am I tolerating, is probably a good place to start. So where am I resentful? When do I feel resentful? Is such a good way into A, where you need a boundary, where you need to take care of yourself, but also what's important, right? Yeah. Huge. Huge. So, I think that's a, a very good place to start uh, for the people listening um, to look at where they are feeling some resentment to others or what they're resenting. Like, I resent this commute, right? Mm. It's like, what? why do I resent it? What is it about it? What is there something that could make it less painful, right? Like, maybe it's not that you have to say no to the whole entire thing, but maybe there's things you could do to to change it that would help you be in a different relationship with it. And then the second question is, who do I envy? No. Ooh. Who do I envy? Mic drop. <laughs> yes. Great one. Yeah, because that one also shows you what you want. Mm-hmm. shows you what might be important to you and can help you navigate where you might want to put some boundaries. If I'm envious of the person who never has to commute, mm-hmm. that tells me something about what's important to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think those are two great ones. And, and um, certainly Brene Brown talks about both of those in her work all the time. Yeah. And, and the resentment one um, in my work, I often find it as a way into self-care I was going to
1: highly recommend that anyone listening, that we've all got this book. We've all got Brené Brown's new book, Alice of the Heart. And it is about articulating emotions and how shockingly bad we are at it. (laughs) And that there are 87 (laughs) to choose from. And it really is a kind of eye opener, punch in the gut, head spinner of a book and if you're brave enough go get a copy and dive in because it basically answers the the dive into that book and then go back to the questions sarah's just asked us yes and start from there and if we revisit your second question there who do i envy yes envy and jealousy very different things we usually say jealous but actually we mean envy yeah. And jealous yes, is a very yes. different, probably, if I dare say, a bit of an uglier than uh, what we think envy is. So it's it really right. does untangle it. Of course, yes. it needs everyone to bloody read it so that we can all speak the same language. <laughs> it's true. I have given
2: <laughs> about 20 copies
0: uh, <laughs> over you? Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is why Amelia sent it to everyone she knows.
2: She's like, speak my language. It's such a Bible. It's really a beautiful piece of work. Mm, It it really is. It's incredible. The other person who talks about envy being a constructive emotion is Gretchen Rubin, um, the, the happier lady. And she talks about that, too, as a way to figure out what you might want to do next um I, I think it's really quite genius mm. really, the other mm. thing I think is really interesting about that concept about envy being a, a way into what's next for you or what you want or what the boundaries are is that sometimes it's not the exact thing the person's doing or the exact thing they have but it's what yes. it represents and yeah. I think that's what's also helpful to get to the values
1: very much so I Love that. the most perfect way to wrap up
0: Thank
2: you, thank Sarah. Sarah You're a to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop. You remembered. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. Really, thank you for having me on and oh, for, Sarah, for time. giving me the space to just chat this out a bit. Thank
1: you for listening to Pivot Points. Thank you also to our incredible producer, Rob Sell and our ever-so-amazing social media manager, Rachel Lepley from Limitless U. You can get a hold of us at info at pivotpointscoaching.co.uk. You can see us on Instagram at pivotpointscoaching, Twitter on pivotpoints1, and LinkedIn pivotpointscoaching. We look forward to hearing from you. Please like and subscribe and get in touch.